Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know, there are plenty of questions about retirement planning, from how much income do you need to, is it really going to cost me over $300,000 for healthcare when I retire? Well, we're going to answer some of these questions today, so stick around. We'll be right back. Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. Kevin is an investment advisor representative with more than 30 years experience. He's helped thousands of people cruise through retirement, and he'd be happy to help you too. Stick around for today's adventure on Cruising Through Retirement. Welcome in, everybody. This is uh, Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin, of course, a fiduciary and investment advisor representative, uh, more than 30 years in the business. Silverleaf Financial is where you find him. Silverleaffinancial.com is the website. He is an author as well, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. And I could go on, Kevin, but I'll just say hi. How are you? Hey, awesome. I am doing great, Steve. Always good to be here. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, so this is going to be a, a, you know, kind of a beefy uh, a se- a segment here. And, and um, But yes. I like it because these questions, you know, they kind of came from all over. And I'm sure that you get some of these questions as well. No doubt about it. No doubt. And, and this is, uh, I think it'll be a little bit fast moving here. So, uh, you know, hold on to your, hold on to your seats there, folks. All right. Um, you know, but we, yeah, we do get a lot of questions. A lot of them co- have come up. People have heard them before. And, and they don't know is like, is this true or is it not true or is it you know kind of true? And and one of, we all know it's important, right? That you want to have a solid plan in place when you re, when you retire. Ideally, you'll have an income plan that takes into consideration everything coming in, everything going out, and that you know you've got guaranteed money every month, whether it's your pension or your Social Security, or you do it another way. Uh, but we can help you generate that guaranteed income if you would like more of it, because in my mind, that's what really makes retirement you know, peaceful and enjoyable is never having to worry about, do you have enough income coming in every month? Because, you know, you're not worried about the stock market going up or down. Sure. Uh, so, you, you know, and the question, then the question is, well, we've heard about this 80%, you know, is 80% of uh, my, my pre-retirement income, is that the true number? Uh, is that enough? And, um, you know, my answer, guys, is the answer is no, no. it's not enough. Well, see, for uh, me too, I mean, I, I'd like 100%. That's how I want to structure it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, how nice would it be if it was actually more than your more oh, than you're making money? Even better. You know? 
how fun would that be? Yes. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so I think what I would, what I would ask everybody or, or, or suggest to everybody, just try to make, try to have the same amount of income, maybe have even more because all you need to do is step back. Look at what you're paying for your, at the grocery store a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and look at what you're paying now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Look at what you paid two, three years ago to take a trip, to go, to rent a car, to get, to get a plane ticket somewhere versus what it costs now. All right. Inflation is the, uh, the, I don't know what to call it. The nasty dragon over in the quarter that that's, you know, breathing fire on us. It seems it sure um, is. It, it's yeah. It's like heating everything up, right? Making yeah. all the prices go higher. And, and, and I, and this problem is we never know when it's going to hit. All right. And before you start blaming anybody politically one way or the other, um, first you want to realize this administration put out less money than the last one. But you also want to realize inflation is hitting everybody around the world. It's not just the United States, guys. It's everywhere around the world. Other countries have it way worse than we do. And way for, and I mean, what I mean by that is there's a lot of other countries have far higher inflation. So I, I think we should forget about the blame game and, and just deal with it and find out the best way, figure out the best way to prepare for it going forward so that if prices do go up, you can turn on another source of income. And boom, I get an extra 300 bucks a month coming in now that's going to help me pay for the extra, you know, the extra 200 that I'm spending on, on whatever it is and give you a little extra cushion for spending money too. Because the way that I like to do it is to ladder the income streams so that as you get, let's say you retire at 65, well, we want to have these other uh, mechanisms in place so that maybe when you turn 67, 68, you turn on, turn on one more. A few years later, you turn on another one, you know, and so on. So every few years, you can add to your income. So you make your income go higher, not just through the cost of living increases, you know, like on your social security check, but also because you tap another source of money that you've saved that we have, can utilize for income that will never stop paying you. And to me, that is going to be a fantastic retirement because you, you can be stress-free and that you don't have to worry about your income needs. Right. And so one of the other things that uh, the questions that came up was, so if I have enough income to just get by, isn't that enough? Yeah, you know that's really that's that's dangerous. That's kind of uh, sad if you ask me. <laughs> I don't want to get just get by. It, Hell, that's how I grew up, just getting by. It, oh, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of us did, yeah. right? And and you know, and and I I grew up. My oldest brother's eighteen years older than me, and I had to wear hand me downs. <laughs> okay, yeah, wow, I mean, eighteen years. I mean, old. these aren't recent. Fa fashion was way different. Yeah, okay. <laughs> eighteen <laughs> years later, was. yes, I'm sure. It's it like, was. what are you doing to me? You know, so so, and obviously there are worse things than having to wear hand me downs. But my point is. You know, my family didn't have enough money to go out and buy us all buy us all new clothes every year. Right, exactly. Before, you know, before you go back to school, and so you, you wore the you, I wore my brother's clothes from from years ago, and um, you, you know, but yeah, trendsetter. That's what is, you yeah, were. You're a trendsetter. There, that's it. That's it. I am fashion forward, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so not back in those days, but uh, but no, I think the 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 short answer is, you know what? It's possible you can if you retire with the bare minimum that you'll be fine, maybe for a couple of years. But guys, what's going to happen when inflation hits? Because we all know, like one thing I've told my wife, I said, I want to get my bills, our bills. I want to get them as low as we possibly can before I retire. Because there is one thing that's certain beyond death and taxes is that all of your bills are only going to go higher over time. They're not going to go lower. They're only going to go higher. Your property taxes, right? Yep. All of those things are going to go higher. Well, and they're not going to go away just because you're and retired. <laughs> That's, that's right. That's right. You know, there are a few carve outs, you know, if you're on the lower end of the income scale than a lot of communities, a lot of counties, they do have things, for instance, you can freeze your property taxes in some places. 
you know, and, and there's other things that uh, you can get discounts on, but, but, oh my gosh, I can't imagine going into retirement, just thinking that I'm going to scrape by because uh, I'd put money on it that maybe five years later, you're not going to be able to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And, and you might only be in your seventies, you know, if you retire at 67, so now you're 72, you could have another 15, maybe 20 years, if not longer of life. And, and in that scenario, uh, it's really, really not pretty. So, so I'd really try, try aiming for a hundred percent of your income. Uh, if you'd like ideas about how you can generate more of it, by all means, give me a call. I've got, there's a lot of ways we can do it. And the ones that I like are the ones that are guaranteed. So you don't have to worry about anything happening in the markets or anywhere else because you know that check is going to keep coming in. 800-975-6717. That's the number you can call if you want to call directly or just visit the website silverleaffinancial.com and uh, you can reach out to Kevin right there. And so there's a couple things. I'm going to I'm going to give you two questions at once about discretionary spending versus my budget. Are they the same? Are they are yes. they that dissimilar? You know, I, I I'm, I actually put them together. They're not exactly okay. the same. All right. All right. But I do put them to, I do personally, I put them together in the budget. I recommend everybody put them together in the budget because that the discretionary aspect, what we're referring to and what Steve's referring to that question um, it are, the, are really what I would call the fun things, you know, the discretionary things like, uh, you know, recreational travel, you know, you know, as opposed to having to travel for business or sure. uh, because a relative died or something, <laughs> right? Um, you, you know, recreational travel, going, going wherever, maybe if you want to go to the mountains and go skiing or you want to, you know, go to the beach or, or go fishing, or you want to take a cruise, wherever it is you want to do the travel. A lot of retirees like to travel. I'm looking forward to it personally, but like we talked about earlier, it's gotten much, much more expensive. And, and I just look at trips, uh, you know, me and my wife moved to Arizona from Illinois in 2011. Um, and for years I was flying back and forth to Illinois for maybe, you know, $250, $300, uh, airfare. Yeah. And now, and now you can't, now it's at least double that. Um, and it really jumped in the last year, year and a half. So, so you want to make sure that's included in your budget. You know, yes, it's discretionary. You don't have to take those trips. But do you want to stop doing all the things, you know, that you find enjoyment in? You know, do you, guys that play golf, that can be an expensive hobby too, especially if you want to play the nicer courses. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, but most, most folks, they don't want to, you don't want to give that up when you go to, into retirement, do you? No. And I know I don't. And, and so, so maybe if your hobbies are, you know, less expensive. I guess maybe that's something to look for if uh, if you're running it close to you know close to the line. But what I would suggest, guys, is and nobody wants to hear it. But when you're going through and we go through, we talk about practicing. You know, like a hypothetical retirement. Like imagine your retirement. You know, in other words, take off for a couple of weeks, like you're retired. What are you going to do all day? Do you have a plan for how you act- occupy your time? And and what activities are you, are you going to uh, pursue? And what I would suggest, the part that nobody wants to hear is that if you think you're going to be close, that you're running it a little closer than you might like, then I'm going to say, you know what, wait to claim your social security and maybe work for another year. Because that's one less year you'll be drawing money from your savings. And it's one more year that you'll be adding to your savings. It can make a big, big difference. Just an extra year of work. uh, The delay in social security will get you another seven or 8% increase in that check. And you'll be adding more money to your retirement savings uh, as opposed to taken away just by adding that year. So I always want to suggest everybody give it some thought until you know when you, when we run the numbers and we say, you know what, you're good, you're good, I, you know, and, and but until we can do that, I'm going to say, you know what, keep on working and trying to save that money, you know, and uh, uh, the next time the kids come asking you to help them out or bail them out, um, you know, 
tell them no. Tell them no, exactly. The um, uh, yeah, I mean that's an important conversation to have too with the kids because I think sometimes the kids get, you know, they get a little heady thinking that you know, hey, mom and dad are rich or you know, and oh yes, well I, well, I know I mean, they I'm do. Sure that, I'm sure that you probably have clients where where you've had that conversation. I have had yeah more than more than I'd like actually more okay. way more than I ever into way more than I ever anticipated. Okay. Um, and when one of the biggest things that continues to, to shock and surprise me is the number of kids in their thirties, forties, fifties, and, and older sixties that are still hitting up and relying on their parents when times get tough. Holy crap. And, really? In their fifties? Oh, yeah. I've, I've got a situation. Yeah. Wow. I've got one. There's a, yeah, I, I it's totally true. Um, I just had a situation, I just had a situation recently about maybe a month or six weeks ago where, where a child was, eh, okay, let's say like 48. All right. Close enough. I think that's, well, okay. To me, that's well beyond the point. You should be going to your parents asking for money. Yes, of course. All right. If, if that's the case, go, go to, go to find a government program that can help you out. There's plenty of government programs that can help people out. In other words, food stamps, you don't have money for food, go get on the food stamp program. All right. That's what it's there um, for, right? That is why it's there. Yeah, but, it's not there to be. The, I mean, all we hear are the the bad stories about people abusing it, but I mean, it's there for a reason for people who need it. It's there for that's right for people who need it, and the food banks. You know, like around me, there's there, there's half a dozen food banks within probably twenty minutes of me, and they don't ask you any questions. As for okay, I, let me say I I've never been inside of one, so I don't know this personally, but from what I understand. There's no questions. There's no interrogation. You don't have to fill anything out. You don't have to pass any tests. You just walk in there and, and, you know, have some food. Yeah. And, and, and so I think there's there, but my point is that uh, the problem is when people that are saving for retirement, they start tapping their retirement savings to help out their kids or their grandkids or, or somebody else. And that it's a big mistake. Don't do it. Yeah. Just don't, just don't do it. You know, just tell them you don't have it. You can't do it. It's locked up. And you'll pay a big penalty if you, if you take the money out, whether it's true or not, I'm going to say, tell a little white lie. Yeah. A lot of times people feel, you know, because I've had clients tell me, you know what, Kevin, I'm glad you told me that. Cause I can tell her that. Oh uh, yeah, and then, exactly. And that you, and then, and then she'll stop asking me for money. You play a good you bad know? cop. <laughs> That's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But my, my concern, you know, what I, and what I tell my clients, my, my responsibility is to take care of you. Okay. My client, that's who I'm trying that's to take right. care of. Your child is not my client. You're my client. And, and this is how you got you to do it. Now, if you've got an excessive amount of money, you've got millions of dollars that you don't need and you plan on leaving it to charity, then, then maybe you can, afford to, you can afford to do that when somebody asks. Um, but by all means, not if, not if you don't have everything that you need um, to get you where you want to be. And that includes if you're going to wind up needing some form of, uh, you know, long-term care. Sure. Well, that's a whole nother conversation we can have a bit later. Um, the, is, the, yes. uh, so do you find it that, that people underestimate what they need in retirement? Because I think we have this mindset of, well, I'm not going to spend as much money. Why? Yes. <laughs> I think, I think, I think a lot of people do. I think I know a lot of people do. Um, be, be, and I know that guys, because I've had a lot of people you know, it's, it can be an uncomfortable situation when somebody sits down in my office because they're coming in for retirement planning, right? Mm-hmm. Pardon me. And we talk about, you know, I look at every all the assets that they have, the liabilities that they have. I call it your personal balance sheet. We look at all the income coming in uh, and all of your expenses, you know, so we're looking at uh, all your cash flow, right? Everything coming in, everything going out. We're looking at the assets. We're looking at liabilities. 
And then we're trying to figure out what, how much income we can generate from the portfolio versus how much you need. Uh, and, and then a lot of times I will have to tell them, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I really don't think you should retire yet. Just like I was saying a minute ago. And I'll say, I think, you, you know, how about if you work just another year, maybe two years, you know, and it, and, and I say, if, if you're lucky enough that you've got a job that you like, I'm not saying you got to love it. I'm saying just that you like it and, or it's okay. And, and that you like the people you work with. Okay. Again, you don't have to love them, but, but you know, it's not something that is terrible, right? That's what I'm saying. Right. It's not unbearable. Yeah. And because most people, one thing that's good, most people tell me, no, I don't, you know, I don't mind my job. It's okay. I just, you know, I just want to retire. And, and, and so they can, so they can do it. And the point I'm getting at is because they're sitting down with me thinking they have enough assets. They've got, they've got themselves positioned that they can retire. And then when I come back and tell them, you know, no, sorry, I don't think so. That's the proof to me that, okay, the answer is yes. Well, if you only live another 10 years, you've got enough. But if you think you're going to live into your eighties, you, you, you probably don't have enough. And, and so it can be a difficult conversation, but that's what tells me people are underestimating the expense. And when one of them is healthcare, people, you know, don't, when you, when they see the number, you might need 250 or $300,000 just for healthcare in retirement. You know, they, the number blows them away and they think it's just crazy. It doesn't apply to them. They think it might be including long-term care. And the answer is no, that does not include long-term care guys. That is really, it's all of your, it's your Medicare payments, um, your Medigap payments, or if you've got a Medicare supplement plan, that's what it's talking about is the insurance plus the out-of-pocket expenses. That's what it's talking about cumulatively throughout your retirement, which could be a 30-year retirement. So when we say 300000 it's basically saying, all right, it's probably going to cost you maybe ten grand a year you know, uh, to pay for all of these things. And so that's when I think a great situation to be in will be, you know what? You put this money into a health savings account, you put money into an HSA, and you've got X amount of money in the HSA account that now you can take out tax-free right? Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about it, if we structure it right, and if you work with me, this is how I recommend it. We want to structure it so that we have one or two or three years in retirement where the only income that you tap in addition to your social security is tax-free income. And at least in those years, if you're able to do that, you won't have to pay any tax on your social security either. All right. Now, most people won't have enough to do that indefinitely. That's why I said maybe two or three years. But if you've got a Roth IRA, and you've got an HSA. We want to strategize about when it's best to take it. Do you take it early in retirement? Do you want to save it for later on in retirement? Because it is tax-free, right? Mm-hmm. My personal plan, I, I feel like my early to mid-70s is when it looks like a good time for me to, is when I'm planning on you know, utilizing those. But, but obviously, it's day by day, figure it out at that time. Um, but I want to get as much tax-free growth as I can. Uh, and, and then I'm going to, to strategize and be, and be very careful about where I, where I bring money in from, um, you know, as I'm in retirement, because that's, what's going to determine how much social security is taxed as well. So we talk about longevity and and longevity risk. Uh, that was not always the case. I mean, you know, 30 years ago, we didn't talk about longevity risk. Um, but it's a, it's a real thing today, isn't it? I mean, because we are living longer, we're being healthier, we're doing the right things, you know? So yeah, that means your retirement's got to you know, you got to kick some income out for a long time. You, you do for sure. And it's, it's not, you know, what do they say about, uh, you know, it's not your father's retirement. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that's Boy, Buick or something. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it's the, the fact, the fact is, if, you know, the social security program was created in, the, in what the 1930s. Right. And at that point in time, the way that they calculated the actuaries put it together was your life expectancy was less 
than the time. In other words, you were supposed to already be, you're supposed to die before you were able to collect social security. <laughs> exactly. Right? Well, that's the boy, they, that boy, from a, from a government standpoint, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's right? just, I mean, think, <laughs> we'll think, never think run out it. of money. <laughs> think about it. I mean, if you make a, pro, you make a promise to somebody, Hey, I'll pay you when you're, you know, like, like now you can say, I'll pay you when you're 105. <laughs> okay. So yeah. chances are, you're not going to live that long. Right. Well, that's the way social security was set up to begin with. Um, but what's happened with all the medical advances and a lot of people forget how much longer our life expectancy, our life expectancy has become just in the last 75, 80 years. It's, you know, we've, they've, uh, medical tech, medical sciences has done tremendous, has made tremendous improvements oh, yeah. and great strides, you know, but on the flip side, that means you might have a 30 year retirement. You know, my father, uh, my father retired at 60. He was a union guy. So he had a pension and he had a social security and that was all the income he needed. And his union provided medical benefits in retirement, so he didn't have any medical bills either. And and so he retired at 60. He lived to 93. He had a 33-year retirement, all right? The only reason, guys, he was able to do it and sustain it and have an enjoyable retirement was because of his pension, okay? And so those of us that don't have a pension, you really need to find a way, in my opinion, to create your own private personal pension plan. And I can help you do that. And I can show you how we can do it to ensure the money never stops coming in. So as long as you're alive, you know that money's gonna come in. And that's even if the account goes to zero. There's only one type of account that'll do that, and it's called an annuity. And that is one of the big features of annuities that, that I think is not, is not discussed often enough in how they will continue to pay you. Not all, not all of them, it has to be set up properly, all right? But if you set it up correctly, an, the annuity account with a lifetime income feature will pay you even if the account is zero. And that's, that to me is something that is, that is uh, worth a look and worthy of, of consideration. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and again, once you get to retirement, I don't have to save any more money because I'm done with that. Right. <laughs> don't make that mistake either guys. Yeah, you, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. And you, what we want to try to do is we want to get you in a situation like we talked about before. Ideally you'll have just as much income in retirement as you do while you're working. And if you're fortunate enough that your expenses have gone down a little bit, maybe because you don't have the same commute, you don't have the dry cleaner bill, things like that, you're, you know, you're not buying lunch out every, every day, maybe, um, you know what, save that money. You can save them the money. There is nothing that says retirees can't save too, right? Right. In fact, the, the majority of my clients, right, the reason they, they, that clients work with an advisor is because they have this extra money that they want to make sure they're treating it well and treating it properly, and they want some help with it. But by definition, Anyone that works with an investment advisor such as myself, they've got extra money, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't be seeking out somebody like myself. And so, you, and they keep on saving. They keep saving. And, and the majority of my clients, they never want to take the RMD, the required distribution from the IRA, because they're like, I don't need it. Why do I have to take it? And, and the answer is because the government wants their tax money. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, and, that's and, why and, you have to take yeah, it. Yeah, and they're not, uh, they're not very forgiving. No, they're really not. They're really not. You know, the good news is they have raised the RMDH to 72, and there's a possibility to get raised even a little bit more. So you can leave it grow tax deferred a little bit longer. Uh, but you should still be saving when you're in retirement. Uh, and when I think going back to when the expenses will go down, yeah. typically for when you retire and you're in your 60s, we call those what the go-go years. Sure. And, and so that's when everybody wants to travel. They want to hop on the plane. They want to they keep going, going, going. That's when your expenses might even be higher. Then when you were, you know, you might need more income than while you were working because you're doing so much. In the 70s, most people slow down a little bit more, don't travel quite so much, right? Um, I, I forget what they call the 70s, the, the slow go years. Slow go years, yep, that's right. 
Yeah. And, and then once you get into your 80s, that's the point at which expenses probably will be lower um, because those a lot, some people call the no-go years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of people in their 80s, they don't really feel like going through the, you know, dragging their bag all the way through the airports and all that stuff like you have to do when you travel. Oh, yeah. And, and so those are the years that you, might, that you might have lower expenses, but you want to make sure you get to that point with enough in the bank, with enough saved, that you don't have to worry about anything, right? Yeah. But I, but, but I want to share a little story and, and we'll talk a little bit about long, long-term care. I've got another client, a couple that's been a client of mine since uh, about 20 years now. And um, uh, the gentleman is 90 or 91 now and hit get, and the couple has, they decided to sell their house and move into uh, uh, an assisted living facility. And this is one of the places typically they have three, they have, there's like three areas. You've got independent living. Okay. It's all on the same campus, right? Right. So yep. think of it like a college camp, think of it like a college campus or something. You got one building, one area that's independent living. You've got another building or another wing or another floor uh, that's assisted living. And then you've got another area that is what they call memory care. And that's the area where they have the combination locks on the doors. Uh, and that is the most expensive because it requires the highest amount of care. And these are the people that have dementia or Alzheimer's. Um, and those facilities are north of 10, basically right about 10,000 a month right now. Some of them in the, in the more expensive cities like Scottsdale, uh, be 11 or 12,000 a month. Um, and so this couple, um, the gentleman is at the point now he's going to have to move into memory care. The wife is still able to function on her own. So she's in the independent living area. So the, the cost between the two of them is just over 13,000 a month. Wow. Just for, wow. just for the facility. Now it does, that does cover, include food and they clean the apartments, things oh, like yeah, that. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, but that's not all of her expenses. That's the expenses for living at that facility, 13,000 a month. Um, and I think there's a, you know, and the, and the woman is in, she's in pretty good health. I mean, she could easily be, she could easily, you know, be there another 10 years. Um, and, and so you, you can get significant expenses, guys. Uh, long-term care uh, is something that affects, you know, a big percentage, you know, about a big piece of the population, roughly two thirds are affected by it in one way or the other. About 20% of the population will be in long-term care for more than five years. Wow. And, and, and that is majority are women. Women tend to spend roughly twice as much time in long-term care as men. So I would definitely take a look at it to see if it's something, if you're able to set aside some money for long-term care, I'd strongly recommend it, especially if you have Alzheimer's or dementia in your family history. Those are the folks that typically spend the longest amount of time in these facilities. Sure. So long-term care, I mean, you wrote the book on long-term care. It's called uh, The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. Let's dig into that a little bit and and start with uh, you know maybe history, uh, Kevin, in terms of the long-term care insurance is really a thing of the past. And, and it, it just outlived its usefulness, right, from an economic standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and the strange thing, uh, you know, Steve, that I talked to a lot of when I had this conversation, what I what I always tell people is, you know, stand, I, and I'm going to call it standalone long term long term care insurance. Okay, so sure. in other words, you know, just like a standalone, you've got a life insurance policy; it covers you for that specific purpose. You've got you know auto insurance or homeowners policy, whatever. Uh, the long term care insurance, you pay a premium for the coverage, and if you need the long term care, then then you'll get the you'll get the the benefit from the carrier that issued the policy. But if you never need it then some people feel that the money you spent on those premiums was wasted money. And, and I always say you can make the same argument about all types of insurance, right? It, you, you could make the argument, well, you wasted your money paying for it if you never had an accident or if your car never 
you know, if your house never had damage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is you've got to have it in place if that situation arises, right? So it's the same thing with long-term care insurance. But the thing is back in the nineties, Genworth was one of the biggest issuers, issuers of long-term care insurance. And everybody thought at the time that it was way too expensive. It just cost, you know, it cost too damn much. They would say it's too expensive. You know, the irony of it guys is that the truth is they didn't price it expensive enough. Hmm. They wound up loop. They wound up exiting the business because they lost too much money. They lost so much money. They got out of the business and that's because they weren't charging enough to cover what they needed to cover. But the, the irony, everybody thought it was already too expensive, right? Right. Of course. And, and, and so, the, re- the reality, guys, is that it's just very, very expensive. That's just the way it is. And, and the thing is, if you, if you look at the facilities, let's say you're on government aid and you need long-term care, go look at some of those facilities because chances are you really aren't going to want to stay there. So if there's any way that you can afford to put some money away that we can designate for long-term care, there are alternative policies that you don't have to lose the money if you don't use it. And so what Steve was saying is how it's kind of evolved, I guess. The, the, the standalone long-term care insurance is nowhere near as popular as it used to be. What I personally prefer are what we call hybrid policies. So it could be a combination of like a life insurance. Okay, let me say it this way. If you're in good health and you feel like, and, and what that means is that you could pass underwriting. So when they look at all your medical, you know, all your medical, all, all the visits to the doctor, any medical procedures, all of your medical history, and they, and they check you, you know, uh, they take the lab tests and all that stuff. Um, and you feel that you'd come back and you're in good shape, then you can pass underwriting and then you could get a life insurance policy that has a, has a long-term care rider on it. So if you need it for long-term care, you can use it tax-free for long-term care. But if you don't need it for long-term care, then at some date in the future, the money is going to go to your beneficiary. Okay. So it goes to your husband, your wife, your kids, whoever you want to leave it to, but you don't lose the money. Okay, if you need it, you can use it for long-term care and then any remaining value will also go to your kids. So I think that's a good one. If you're in good health, you can pass the physicals and all those things. There's another one though, for folks that might not, might not wanna go through underwriting. Maybe they don't wanna go through the physical and lab tests and all those things. Well, there are annuity contracts that pay a fixed rate of interest. Maybe it's 2% or something, it's not a ton, but you get a set interest rate on the money you put in there, like a savings account. And if you need it for long-term care, they will double or triple or even quadruple the amount of money you put in. So let's say you put in 100,000, you could have anywhere from 200 to 400,000 in coverage for long-term care if you need it. That's available if you need it, but if you don't need it, you've still got the money. It's still your money. It's not gone. It didn't nothing happened to it. It's your money. But it's there if you need it and it gives you more coverage for long-term care should that situation arise. And so to me, I like the hybrid policies. That's what I'll be doing with, for me and my wife, uh, the hybrid policies. Um, and, and I think it's something everybody should take a look at because it does affect the majority of the population. Well, and again, I think you make a point, Kevin, in, in that so many of us are going to have to be, will be affected by this, either us or our spouse or whoever it might be. And to, to know that you've got something in place to give you the confidence of uh, the peace of mind that, you know, if, I mean, if, you know, let's say Alzheimer's, I mean, you forget everything and to know that, oh, yeah. To, yeah. that, you know, you've got that covered. And I know you went through that with your dad and, and it's, so it's yes. uh, to have the, to have the wherewithal and, and certainly the money to, uh, to make that happen. And, and it's something that should be so like, so let me take, let me ask you this. What about 
with a with a, a hybrid policy, be, be it an annuity or a life insurance policy, when should we take that out? It shouldn't necessarily be when I'm 70, right? No, I, well, it, it you could, it but could, it, right? It's but, gonna, yeah, you could, but it'd be it'd be much it'd be much it'd be much more prudent or much let me say wiser, perhaps, in my opinion, to take it out younger. So what, let's when, say six, when should you? I would say early 60s, early 60s. Okay, all right. Yeah, in my mind, 60 to 65 is a good age um, to take others' policies. Most people are still in pretty good health. Um, you, you've probably got, you know, other things are probably taken care of. Most people have, you know, they've saved them to the 401k uh, and they're usually in a good position that they have. You know, when you're, they say when you're in your 50s, those are your maximum earning years. So if you're still working in your 60s, I have to think those those should be high income years as well. Mm-hmm. And so I to, to me, that that's, you know, of course you can do it younger if it makes sense to, to, for you to do it while, while you're younger. Um, but ideally before, let's say by the time, before you, let's say before you sign up for Medicare, you should have long-term care. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good, that, that's a, I mean, I think that's a, a goal, if you will, or a benchmark that we could, uh, you know, live with. Yeah. And, so you know if what, I'm, I'll so if I work with you in, in my early fifties, then when I get to, you know, early sixties, that's when we can sit down and redo the plan and, and talk about long-term care. Yes. Yes. And, and we can figure out, you know, especially if you're married, right? Because that's a whole nother situation. If you're married, there's a possibility, possibility, both of you will need long-term care, right? Now, one thing that I do tell people that when they own their home is that one possibility is that for the surviving spouse is, you know, theoretically you could sell your home and you could use that money to fund long-term care for the surviving spouse. It won't work right for the first one that needs long-term care. But if you're single and you own your house, some people look at their home as, you know, a long-term care account too. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just putting it out there as a possibility because obviously if you're going into a facility, you don't still need your house if you're single. So, so that is a possibility, but it requires you having paid for your house. So, and I do think on that note, I personally think you should go into retirement debt-free. That includes no mortgage. And if you still have a mortgage as you're going into retirement, I would, su- I would suggest downsizing to a house that you can fully pay for. Uh, and I, I personally don't think debt in retirement is a good idea. There are counter opinions to that that argue if you can make more money in the stock market, then you're paying an interest in a mortgage, that you're smarter to do that. The problem is, is that, that on a year-by-year basis, nobody can predict it or guarantee it. And, and so what happens if you make that gamble in the first three years you retired, the market goes down, 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 gets cut in half. You know, you could have had a home that's mortgage-free and now you've got a mortgage and your portfolio got hit and now you're not in a very good spot. So my suggestion is pay off all debts, including your mortgage, uh, before you retire. That's going to get your, house, your expenses as low as possible. Um, and some people move to a different location, you know, maybe to move to a lower cost of living area, maybe consider a 55 plus community because their property taxes are so much lower because they don't pay as much to school, to the schools. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there, there are advantages to the 55 plus communities, um, because of lower property taxes. I mean, that's one advantage. So, so there's a lot of different things you can do, but, but by all means, uh, with regard to long-term care, if that's something you'd like to talk about it, give me a call or, or reach out, go on my, go to the, my website. You can request a copy of my book, and I'm happy to send it to you free of charge. Well, and, and the thing is, is your book goes over much of what we talked about here today from a long-term care standpoint. Oh, yes. Yes, it, it, it does. And it does go into the, the hybrid policies that we've just talked about here, as well as a lot of other information. And guys, it's not, it's not a super long book, you know. Um, we didn't want it to be, you know, the... the uh, um, you know, the encyclopedia of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we wanted to make it a good read to share some information, 
but not make it so long that it's going to take you, you know, two and a half weeks to read it. So <laughs> perfect. Um, perfect. So I think it's a, I think it's a good read. And there's a, quite a few quite a few good ideas in there. In uh, my humble opinion. Well, and again, the book is called The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. You can get your copy at silverleaffinancial.com, silverleaffinancial.com. I encourage you to do that, especially if you've got questions about long-term care. You're getting into that financial red zone. Yep, Kevin would love to help you. Yes, by, by all means, feel free to reach out. Any questions they have, guys, feel free to give me a call or shoot me an email, and I'll be happy to help out in any way that I can. There's never any cost or obligation. Just for Provided this for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. The covered material has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. There are risks associated with every type of investment vehicle. Please read the prospectus and risk disclosures thoroughly before investing. Insurance guarantees are subject to the insurance company's ability to pay. Neither Silverleaf Financial, Kevin Brooker, hosts, and guests are responsible for the usage of information discussed. Security and investment services offered through Silverleaf Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Please consult with an experienced advisor before making any investment decisions. Volatility in the market is a fact. What isn't so clear is what the ups and downs of the market can do to your retirement portfolio. For answers, call Kevin Brooker at 800-975-6717. Kevin is founder and CEO of Silverleaf Financial, and he's been helping people cut through the noise to create a retirement and income plan that can take you all the way through retirement. Call now for your free financial consultation, 800-975-6717. Today's market volatility can really take a toll on your portfolio. But what if you could lock in your gains and still be in a position to participate in the gains without suffering losses if the market plunges again? That's what Kevin Brooker at Silverleaf Financial can help you achieve. Your no-cost analysis includes a portfolio x-ray showing any hidden fees in your current plan. He'll show you how by claiming Social Security at the right time can make a huge difference in your retirement income. Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.